Well, I invite you to, to take up a, a Bible, whether it's one you brought or one you can look up on your phone or one of the black Bibles that's, that's right there in front of you. We're going to pick up our reading in John 20 right where we left off. Um, if it's the black Bible that you have, you'll find uh, our passage on pages 906 to 907, John 20. Our reading left off with Mary going to the tomb and Peter and John after her. Mary seeing the risen Christ and recognizing after her eyes were open that uh, who he was. And now we pick up with verse 19, which is the very same day uh, as we read about the rest of the disciples. So let's, let's read together. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were, were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. A reading from God's Word this morning. Let's pray for God's blessing. Father, we do pray that you would bless and use the reading and proclaiming of your Word. Lord, that we would see Jesus and know his life, we do ask for each one, uh, even here. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good for you, Jesus. Is that all that Easter is about? Good for you, Jesus. You were dead. Now you're alive. Fantastic for you. Um, in something like uh, a wedding shower, or, or a wedding itself, or a baby shower, where something is happening to somebody else, and you're genuinely thankful for it, and, and happy to celebrate along with them for a day, uh, but, you know, tomorrow comes, and what happened to them really doesn't affect your life much at all. It's back to business as usual. It's good for them, you're happy, celebrate, but then it's back to life as normal. Is that Easter? Good for you, Jesus. Celebrate for a day, wonderful, but then tomorrow it's kind of business as usual. What if it were more than that? What if it were much, much more than that? That what did happen to Jesus actually uh, is something that transforms those who know him. That they're never the same because of it. That this dramatic, powerful uh, thing that has happened in his life now uh, changes everything for us. What if it were that, uh, that real, that different? Well, John 20 is a really great place to look because it shows us in detail uh, the, the, the transformation with Christ, the great resurrection reversal from dead to alive for Jesus, but woven into it, we get these snapshots of those who are close to Jesus, those who know him. And we see that they're impacted by it, and not just a little bit. 
an impact that we start to see is going is to last throughout all of their days. A great reversal for Jesus, but also for those who know him as well. Uh, so let's take a look at that. Let's take a look first at, uh, at the great resurrection reversal for Jesus, but then how it affects those who are near to him, even us. So let's begin with Jesus. Uh, we, we pick up John 20, this chapter, it begins, the beginning of the chapter. Uh, it's great to have that open with you if, you if you still have your Bible there. Uh, we'll be referencing as we go. So it begins right at the beginning of that chapter 20, uh, reminding us that we're now at the first day of the week. That is Sunday. Uh, it was just a couple of days before, Friday, that Jesus was put to death, uh, conspiracy to have him tried and falsely accused, and then executed by the Romans. Uh, the Roman soldiers, pretty good at this execution thing. He really died. Uh, they even, John tells us, uh, stabbed him in the side to make sure that he was dead. He was really dead. Uh, at the end of uh, chapter 19, uh, John tells us how a couple of Jesus' followers were given the body and how they before sundown, quickly uh, prepared it for burial, lap, wrapping it in all these linen garments and putting in spices and aloes uh, to, to anoint the, the body, putting it in the tomb, what was a, a, a carved out of rock, kind of a little cave-like uh, tomb. Uh, a stone, we know, was rolled in front to seal the tomb. Uh, other Gospels tell us that a detachment of soldiers was assigned to guard the tomb so that no one could mess with it or steal the body. And then chapter 20 picks up with Sunday morning. And notice how every detail about Jesus is just a dramatic reversal. Right? Where, we, where you left off just a verse before and in Friday is everything to do with death. Right? He's stabbed, really dead. He's, he's, he's wrapped in cloths, really dead. He's put in a tomb, dead. And now everything in John 20 is alive, 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 life, and death left behind. Uh, so we're, uh, we're told first uh, that, that Mary uh, is there. She discovers that the stone has been rolled away. There's no body. Uh, and, she, and later, uh, Peter and John come. They investigate, even, uh, even looking in, going in, and seeing, again, no, no body. But, but look, there are those linen grave cloths. Uh, they're, they're left behind, right? Those, those things that were associated with death, that, that's left behind as if, as if Jesus has no need for it anymore and never will. Uh, if, if, you, if you know something of the Gospel of John, you know this is, this is a little bit different than something that happened just a, a week or so ago uh, in Jesus' life there. In John 11, Jesus raises uh, his friend Lazarus from the dead. You might remember Lazarus comes out of the tomb, but he's still wrapped in those grave clothes. And, and that kind of makes sense. He, he's he's going to need those again. Uh, he, he will die eventually, and we'll go back in the tomb. But here Jesus, John presents as, oh, no, 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 this is very, very different. Jesus leaves those grave clothes behind because he's never, never going back in the tomb. He's raised up and not just resuscitated to live for a few more years like Lazarus, but raised up to a whole new realm of resurrection, life, and glory, never to touch the things of death again. Uh, it's, it's really Jesus. We, we get that clearly. Mary eventually recognizes his voice. 
and the disciples get to see the very nail prints in his hand and, and wound in his side. It's really him. Uh, it's really his body, but, but this is different. This is transformed, resurrected, resurrection glory, as if in his very being he's, uh, he's conquered everything associated with, with this age and with darkness and death, raised up. A complete and absolute reversal uh, for Jesus. Uh, death isn't just overcome uh, for a little bit. It's absolutely conquered by Christ. Uh, the grave and, and all the things of death uh, conquered by the work of Jesus uh, and the Father who has raised him up by the power uh, of the Spirit. So, dramatic reversal for Jesus. We could say... Good for you, Jesus. But is that it? It's a dramatic change for him, but does that have any effect on anyone else? Which is why now we can turn back to John 20 and look at these little snapshots of the people close to Jesus and how, uh, how immediately it begins to transform everyone around Christ who knows him. So we'll start with Mary. Uh, and we, uh, by the way, this is a different Mary than the Mary we usually talk about at Christmas time. Uh, that's uh, the Christmas Mary is Mary, the mother of Jesus. This is Mary Magdalene, different Mary. Uh, one we're told in, in the Gospels has been following Jesus for some period of time. There was a, a significant group of women that followed along with Jesus and ministered to him and with him. Mary Magdalene was one of them. Uh, Luke tells us that uh, that she, before she came to know Christ, was oppressed by darkness, uh, was possessed by seven different demons. It was, it was Jesus who healed her, uh, who rescued her from darkness. And then she followed him for, for some time in his earthly ministry. So with that kind of background, you can, you can start to put yourself in, in Mary's, uh, Mary's shoes, Mary's sandals, uh, uh, how she would enter this day. Right, so she, she has just walked through the events of that Friday. So this, this Jesus who's rescued her, uh, who, 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 who has delivered her from darkness, who she thinks is not only the Savior for her, but for all uh, of her people, uh, and she's, all her hopes and joys are, are in this Jesus, and she's excited. But then Friday comes, and she sees that very Jesus Put to death. Put to death in not just any old way, uh, but the shame and pain of the cross, which uh, for a Jewish woman would instantly be recognized as one cursed of God. So the very one she thinks uh, is God's rescue for her and for the world, now something she didn't expect, he looks like he's dead cursed of God. So all her hopes, all her joys, uh, crushed, in essence, buried in the tomb with Jesus. And she uh, arrives, and now, to add insult to injury, the body's gone. She thinks someone's stolen the body. Right? Did you notice how, uh, how twice uh, uh, Mary is asked, why are you weeping? Yeah, because Mary is almost inconsolable. Because her whole world has come, has come crashing down. Uh, her world, she thinks, is as dead uh, as Jesus was in that tomb. Uh, and and it's in a sense, if Jesus is really dead and still dead, then she has reason to weep. There is no hope. 
Uh, Paul says we're of all men most to be pitied if Jesus is still dead. Weeping makes sense. But then everything changes because Jesus is alive. Right? Her weeping is turned to, to joy, to excitement, to, uh, to living hope and life. Right? She, she hears Jesus speak her name, and she recognizes who it is. Right? The, 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 the one uh, who, who speaks her name is, is her good shepherd. Jesus himself said that the sheep know, uh, know his voice and that, that the shepherd calls his sheep by name. And here's Jesus. She, he calls her by name, and, and the, the lights come on. The eyes are open, and, and it changes everything. Right, the woman who just minutes ago was inconsolable because all hope was gone. Now, uh, with joy, she's clinging to Jesus. She's running off to tell the to tell the disciples uh, the good news of her being alive, and that's just the beginning. Right, weeping uh, turned to joy because of what happened to Jesus. So it wasn't just uh, it wasn't just something that was good for him but something that because of what uh, he did and what, what his reversal, now it changes everything for her. Uh, but we get a more, more of a, an idea of where this comes from and how this works uh, as we turn over, uh, over to, the, to the disciples. But maybe, uh, maybe you're starting to connect, uh, connect to yourself. You're, you're realizing that this isn't just a story about people long ago, uh, that here we are, uh, we're those who are taking all this in. Uh, we're those who, who go through seasons of where we feel like all hope is lost, where we, maybe we're somewhat inconsolable. Uh, is there any hope in what happened to Jesus uh, impacting us? And Mary's beginning to show us, yeah, there is. So let's go to the disciples and, and continue. Um, so verse 19 picks up the passage. It's the very same Easter resurrection Sunday morning, or Sunday. Now it's in the evening. We're told that the close companions of Jesus, the disciples, uh, the ones Jesus had chosen and gathered, uh, and they, they were gathered together. They're, they're, uh, there, we're told, uh, together with the doors carefully locked for fear of the Jews. Uh, it, it's, this is kind of John's code. It's not, not any and every uh, one person of Jewish uh, descent, they themselves are Jews. Uh, it, it's his, it's his reference to the Jewish leaders there, uh, the Jewish religious uh, establishment and, and other, ch- other uh, people of authority, the very ones who had just conspired and spearheaded uh, this, uh, this arresting of Jesus and his, uh, his false trial and, and pushed through uh, the Romans to have him executed. Uh, so it's those ones that they're afraid of. And you can start to understand how that, that would be something of a logical fear at this point, right? They have just killed Jesus. And, and if, if, if they really wanted to squash this Jesus movement, the next logical step after putting to death Jesus would be to come after those uh, who were the chosen leaders and followers of Jesus. Uh, they, they would be next on the list, you would think. So in other words, their fear... Uh, is not illogical. Uh, it's not irrational. Um, as, as we think about fear, sometimes uh, you have, uh, have individuals or times in our lives where we have completely irrational fears. The kind of 
never going to happen in a million years, but we're still uh, anxious about it. Uh, but that's not most of us, and it's not most of the time. Most of the time, like the disciples, uh, we are anxious and fearful about things that really do happen. Uh, they really do have some sense, uh, right? Because we live in a dark world, uh, and, it's, and, and dark things happen, and, and we've seen it and heard about it, and it's come close. And so, and so the anxiety is, is, a lot of the time, the fear is, well, it can make sense. It's connected to real dark things in the world. Um, in comes the resurrected Jesus. And notice how the resurrected Christ changes them from fear to peace. And how he does it. Uh, we might expect Jesus uh, to get rid of their fear by taking away the threat, taking away the danger. But he doesn't. Instead, he brings a peace that that covers, that superimposes, that, that just blankets that threat so it's no longer threatening, even though it's still there. Let's, let, let's notice the details. Okay, so there they are with their fears locked in the room. Verse 19, the resurrected Christ appears to them. And notice what he says. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. That could be, uh, it, it was often a, just a casual greeting how you might see somebody on the street and be like, good morning, bless you, or something like that. It was sometimes used that way. But you start to read how Jesus uses it, and you start to think, he must mean something different. Uh, notice how Jesus repeats it. Verse 19, peace be with you. And then moments later, verse 21, peace be with you. Uh, and then we're told, verse 26, he shows up again in a couple days. The first thing out of his mouth then is, peace be with you. And in John's Gospel, this, this theme comes up, and it has a powerful meaning. Jesus isn't just greeting. Jesus is announcing. He's announcing something. Uh, he's announcing what he has accomplished and what he is bringing with him. Uh, that because he died and now is alive again, uh, he is announcing that peace has arrived for them. Peace has arrived. First and foremost, it's, it's peace with God. Uh, there's, uh, there's the ultimate problem with uh, their problem and, and our problem, the ultimate problem with our world. It's, it's our sin that separates us from God and breaks God's world. Uh, that's what sin is all about. It's, it's not just, a, oh, I broke a rule, uh, but it's our rebellion against God. Uh, our turning away from his ways has us rejecting him. It's it's powerfully personal. Uh, and so our, our sin has us rejecting God and rejecting uh, the life that's in him and bringing us under his, his judgment. So there's a hostility with God in our sin, and there's we're under God's judgment, but God sets out to make peace. Right? You might remember the last big holiday we celebrated, uh, right, right, Christmas time. What do the angels uh, announce when Jesus shows up in this world? But peace, right? Peace, yeah, because Jesus has just arrived. And now here's the resurrected Christ. He's done the work, and now he says peace. He's done the work. Uh, the work of, of dying and rising. Dying. Well, that's what we deserve because of our sin. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And so what we deserve because of our sin, uh, the judgment we deserve is death. 
So what Jesus is doing, sent by the Father, uh, God's great eternal plan, is that Jesus, the eternal Son, would take the death for us. So instead of us having uh, to die uh, in judgment, Christ dies in judgment in our place. That's why that, that, that cross was Jesus cursed of God. Not because uh, he was a sinner, because he was bearing our curse. Right? He takes our death, and then in rising again, he conquers it. Right? It's done. It has uh, no more power on him, but also it means that for those who know him, uh, the, the curse, the judgment, doesn't have power on us either. So that having been raised up, uh, all the work done of, of, of rescuing and saving for us, uh, the thing he declares, he announces is, peace has arrived. Peace has arrived. Because Jesus is alive. Uh, taking on death, conquering it, peace has arrived. And, and that's, you see how that speaks to their fears? Well, not exactly in the way we might expect. Uh, we often think that the real way to get rid of fear is, you take away all the threats, uh, right? So in, these, uh, in the case of these, these disciples, you might think, okay, what is, what's the threat for them? Well, it's that there's, there's people out there in authority who don't like Jesus and those associated with him. So you'd think if Jesus was really going to address their fears, he'd get them out of the picture. Uh, or at least take them to a place of safety where they didn't have to worry about those kinds of threats. But Jesus doesn't do any of that. Actually, verse 21, what does he do? He sends them out to proclaim the good news of Jesus, right? The very kind of thing that, that, got, that got stirred up opposition for him and would stir up opposition for them, eventually have them all suffering and dying. So Jesus doesn't take away the threat. In fact, he sends them out on an even more dangerous path. How does that bring peace? Well, you see what, God, what God's doing. He's not taking away the threat, but he's well, he's transforming it. He's, he's superimposing this peace that passes understanding, uh, that's greater than all the darkness that's there, uh, because the darkness ultimately is conquered. I like how Paul puts it in, in Romans 8. He says, he says this in conclusion, because of the work of Jesus and the resurrection, he says, if God is for us, who can be against us? God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, well, that's, that's essentially what it means to be at peace with God, right? It means God is for you in our sin uh, where there's hostility with God. But if you know Christ, then you know that, that he has made that peace with God uh, for you. And what it means is God is not against you. He's for you because of what Jesus did, right? God for you. And Paul says, well, if God is for us, can really be against us. Okay, there, 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 there might be still darkness out there. There might be still enemies out there. But if this God is for us, can they really touch us? Can they really win? Can they really uh, destroy us? And so you take the disciples. Yeah, Jesus is sending them out into dangerous territory. But he's sending them out with this peace that covers them. This God is for you. Which means, as they go out and face all the, uh, the threats, not a hair from their head is going to fall to the ground apart from their Father's will. Not a hair. And if God is for them, it means that this God is even going to use the hardships and the difficulties for good. 
even though others might mean it for evil. If this God is for them, it means that even when they do go to the worst that this world can do, uh, which is put someone like them to death, and they would, that even that would be conquered. Because uh, if God is for them, then they're going to follow the path of Christ. Right? They're, they're going to die, but it means life. It means resurrection life. Resurrection glory just like Jesus. Uh, so Jesus doesn't take away the threat. But what it means is, uh, the piece that, that covers it is this piece of God is for you, and therefore no one, nothing is really going to be able to separate you from the love of God. God is for you. No one can be against you. It was true for the disciples, and it's true for anyone who knows this Jesus. Uh, so you can think maybe about the, uh, the fears that weigh on you. Probably, uh, probably they're, they're, they're rational fears, most of them. Uh, in other words, they're, they're real dark things that are really out there in the world. How would Jesus bring peace to that, uh, peace to our lives? Uh, in this age, before he returns, he doesn't take away all the threat. But what he does is he brings about this peace that covers it all. Uh, that transforms it all. It starts, it starts with, with you knowing and trusting this Christ. Right? Like the disciples, you have to know him. Right? It starts with you realizing that, uh, that, that you're a sinner who needs a rescue, and the only rescuer is Jesus. And so you confess that sin, you, you turn to this Jesus and trust in what he did and his death and his, and his resurrection. And then you realize uh, that, that by grace you're, you're forgiven, that you have peace with God. And that means that the word that Jesus announces over your entire life is peace. God is for you. Which means uh, that you go out into the world and, yes, face hard things, uh, even, even called by God to serve him in hard places. Uh, the threats are still there. The dangers are still there but they're not going to touch you. In fact, if God is for you, if this peace, his peace covers your life, not a hair from your head is going to fall to the ground apart from God's perfect will. And even when hard things do come, uh, it, this God is so sovereign and so for you that he will even use the evil for good. And when the ultimate of, of bad happens, even death itself, even that doesn't overtake you, doesn't conquer. Just like the grave of Jesus, it, death doesn't have the final word. All right, uh, Those who trust in Christ, because he is the resurrection and the life, though we die, yet shall we live. And we follow him into this resurrection glory. It's what, uh, it's what God does. right? Weeping turned to joy, fear turned to peace. Uh, some of that comes instantly. Some of that comes uh, day by day as the Lord brings his good news home to our hearts, uh, day after day over the course of years and years. But the good news that we celebrate here is that he's accomplished it. He's done it, and he's done it for us. So can you see how different this is than a wedding shower? Good for you, but it doesn't really affect me that much tomorrow. This is completely different. Uh, yes, it is something dramatic that happened to Jesus, but this actually, for those who know him, changes everything because he doesn't do it by himself. He does it for his people, for us, for you, believe it. 
Uh, he, he speaks right to those uh, right to those tears, right to those fears with with life, with peace uh, that transforms, uh, that makes makes us realize uh, that he has conquered the darkness of this world. Remember Jesus saying, "In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart; I've overcome the world." Right? He does it. Overcomes the world through his death and through his resurrection. So that's why we take heart. Uh, because, because he's conquered it all. And God, therefore, for us, uh, well, nothing really can touch us. So when, uh, so when on Easter Sunday morning someone, someone says, he's risen, and you can respond, he's risen indeed, realize that if you know Christ, you're not just talking about someone else. You're talking about you connected to him. You're talking his story, but it becomes your story uh, as you trust here. So as you take in and even say those words, you realize you're talking about a reality, a, a reversal that's for Jesus, but also for you as well. Fear uh, into peace, weeping into joy, death into, into life, all because of what Christ has done. And so we, we can say it, meaning not just good news for Jesus, but good news for all his people in him. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have done in your son what we could never do. And you've done it as a free gift for those who don't deserve it. Lord, we praise you. We thank you. We pray that your, your truth would rule and reign more and more in each and every heart. Uh, that we would see the life that you have given in your Son, and that we'd, uh, we'd see how your Spirit is working that within us. Lord, we pray that, that you would do mighty things because of the power of the resurrection at work in our world today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.